This morning, I want to just share with you a message entitled, His Last Words. His Last Words. That is something that many of us, when someone, someone is on their deathbed, we often look to the final thing that they say for some type of a, uh, an indication of their final wishes, their, their last words of wisdom that they want to pass along. And David was no exception to this. The Bible tells us about David that he was, in fact, a man after God's own heart. That is a testimony of him both from the Old Testament and then also into the New Testament. Nobody else like David, and we know that David was not perfect. How many of you know you're not perfect? Neither am I. We're, we're, all, we're all cut from the same cloth, as my father-in-law loves to say. We are human. And David was, in fact, human. And he dealt with a number of things in his life that were, at some point or another, was contrary to what God actually desired for him. But David still followed God with all of his heart. He knew how to handle sin. When he had allowed sin into his life, he knew how to repent of that sin and move forward and say, God, you still have a plan. And God still had a plan for his life. But we get to the book, and I want you to turn your Bibles if you would. It will be up on the screen, but uh, if you have a Bible, it's always good to just kind of have that right there in front of you to 1 Kings chapter 2. And I want to just deal with some of the last words of David. Now, David's going to give some instructions to his son Solomon. And in fact, if you were to go over to the book of uh, 2 Chronicles, you could also find similar instructions that David gave, though some had to do more with the building of the temple. The plans that God had given David was actually going to be carried out by Solomon, his son Solomon. But um, in starting in chapter 2, verse 1, and I'll read down through to verse 4, the Bible says this. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said. Be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. Some of David's last words in his life, he gives Solomon and us some very important insights that we must understand. And in fact, I want to just back up a little bit to verse 2. He says this, I am about to go the way of all the earth. David reminds us of this one thing, the certainty of death, the absolute certainty of death. 
I realize that's a morbid subject. <clears throat> and I also know that we have been frightened over the last year and a half into believing or thinking I should never die of whatever it is that this, this virus that we have had, that this is not the way we should go. But quite frankly, I can think of a number of ways I don't want to go. For instance, I am deathly afraid of heights. Horribly so. So much so that we, a number of years ago, we took a trip up to the, uh, I forget what they call it, at the Sears Tower. Thank you. We took a trip up there, and they have the, the little glass openings that you can step out over, uh, uh, I believe it's West Jackson that's, that's down below you. I refused. The girls went on it. My wife went on it. We had no, they had no problem. I said, not in a million years are you going to get me out on that thing. I refused. I can think that is not a way I would like to go. I want to tell you, we know that there are, we can think of all kinds of terrible things in terms of the way that we're going to go. But the bottom line is, as David reminds us here, he says, I am about to go the way of all the earth. In other words, no one is exempt from this particular position in life. There is a point in time that will come that you will have to face Death, it is absolutely certain there is no one, absolutely no one in this world who is exempt from this particular destiny. You need to know that. David is reminding all of us, whether it is in old age or whether it is tragically in a younger age, this is absolutely going to happen at one point or another. The Bible says this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9 and verse 27, and it says this, And as it is appointed unto men, once to die, after this the judgment. I want to tell you today that you have, you and I have a certain destiny with a date called death. The question is, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to prepare? There are a lot of people who somehow assume that in this life, this is all there is. This is why there is such a drastic desperation in people's hearts to hang on to and squeeze out as much life. And I'm not against that, by the way. Squeeze out as much life as you can here now. But the problem is this. What are you going to do then? What's going to happen at that time? Are you ready for that moment? You say, Pastor, look around you this morning. I am certain that there are those in this building today, there are almost none in this building today who, you know, should hear this particular part of it because most of us, if not all of us, are believers. But here's the thing. I don't want to assume anything about anybody. I don't want to assume that your life over the last year and a half did not get so complicated that somewhere along the way you might have turned your back on God. And said, God, I don't understand everything that's going on in the world. How can all of these things be happening? And Lord, maybe, just maybe, I have to somehow find my own path. No, the last thing in the world that you can afford to do is to find a path that does not include and have him leading the way in that path. 
the last thing in your life, every teenager, every young person, you need to hear me, every individual today, you need to recognize that you must be prepared because no one knows when that day will come. Say, Pastor, are you trying to scare us today? Please, we've had enough of the fear-mongering going on over the last crazy year and a half that we've had. I don't want to be afraid today. You don't have to be afraid. You know Jesus? There is absolutely no way in the world you need to fear. You do not need to fear what will come next. You don't need to fear. The Bible lets us know that he has prepared wonderful things for those who follow him and serve him, that he has prepared a paradise for you and for me. So we do not have to be afraid of that moment when it comes. Not if it comes, when it comes. No one is exempt from this. Absolutely no one. So you must be prepared. Someone once said that there are Two things that are sure in life, death and taxes. <laughs> and boy, the taxes sure slap us upside the head, don't they? Some of you would probably prefer to die right now, right? You know, <laughs> to have not have to deal with taxes. I, I don't know. I'm not quite sure what the, the, the situation is in your life, but those are unavoidable things. The, the thing is, is as much as you have to be prepared to, for tax season, you need to be prepared for the time that may come somewhere down the line that we will leave this earth. And here's the thing. You will not, you will not, as they say, be worm food. You will not. No, you will. I, I once heard Dr., Dr. Lutzer from Moody Church preach a message one second after you die. One second, I think it was one second or one minute, I don't remember which. But either way, the point was, at that moment, you will exist and live somewhere. And it's up to you as to where that will be. Jesus has made every opportunity available to you today to be able to make sure that you are ready for that moment. But listen, David instructed his son with what he knew to be the best preparation for both life and for death. And we look at David's preparation being summed up by those, by, by who would succeed him on the throne. But from an early age, David had already prepared himself for this moment. And the question is, how did he do that? Well, he did it, first of all, by cultivating an intimate relationship with God. I mean, that's where, think of it, we read the Psalms. The vast majority of the Psalms come from David's pen. They are songs that David sung to the Lord and he wrote them down and in some cases he even passed them along for public worship. So David was somebody who had cultivated a relationship with the Lord so that in this moment he would not be afraid of anything taking place. Not only that, he trusted in God even when things were difficult. 
You and I need to know and understand that we have to trust in the Lord no matter what we are going through. Believe in him, hope in him, trust in him, and know that he is with us. He also learned how to repent when the weakness of his flesh gave in to the temptation of sin. Instead of sitting there saying, you know what, this God has just done with me. I've failed him too many times. How many times have we ever said something like that? Some of us have been guilty of saying, I've failed God too much. No, you haven't. I need you to know today the one thing that God looks from his, for from his people is when you give in to sin and you fall into sin, get back up in repentance and say, Lord, you lead me forward and you help me to overcome this thing. And God did that for David. God restored David. And in fact, the son from the woman, one of the sons from the woman, that he committed adultery with is now receiving the instructions and becoming the next king. You want to talk about mercy? That's mercy. That's mercy. One of the sons of Bathsheba, the first son died. We know that when, when he was a baby, the, the baby was born, the baby died not long after he was born. But now Solomon is here, also a son of Bathsheba, and now he is coming to the throne. That is the mercy of God. That is the power of God. So he learned to repent, but not only that, he believed the promises of God would be fulfilled even if he hadn't seen it with his own eyes. There were promises that God made to David that David was not going to see. Just like there were promises that were made to Abraham that Abraham was not going to see. He only saw a little bit of it. He saw it from a distance, but he didn't see it with his own eyes. The only thing that he had to go on was the fact that God fulfilled his promise and brought one son to him, Isaac. And that's all he needed. But even before that, the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Do you know that today there isn't anything that you can do to be righteous before God, but instead you and I must know that we have to believe God and that is what is counted as righteousness. You don't believe me? Go to Romans chapter 4 and chapter 5 and read through there. That's all you need. You need to know that. Somebody once wrote these words, it is of an unknown origin. But it says this, it's a, it's a little poem. It says, the clock of life is wound but once. And no man has the power to tell just when the hands will stop at late or early hour. To lose one's wealth is sad indeed. To lose one's health is more. To lose one's soul is such a loss that no man can restore. I want you to know the most, most important thing in your life and our life today is our soul. The Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You can have everything. You can be as healthy, wealthy, and wise as the next person but in the end, if your soul, if you have not given it over to the Lord, you have lost your soul. Don't do that. Don't allow that to be your, your life. But instead, you follow him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. In the end, David had lived a long life. So it was somewhat expected that his time at this point would be short. But for all of us, we don't know when that day will come. 
So we have to be ready to face eternity with Christ. And it's the only way to face it. A number of months ago, a few weeks ago, I don't remember when it was, I was going through one of my dad's old sermon books. I have a couple of his books of sermons. And I came across the message that he preached for my youth leader who was tragically killed on July 4th, 1984 in a motorcycle accident. He was on a motorcycle. He didn't know how to handle it. Went around a corner, a very blind corner, and veered off into the other lane. There was a car right there, unavoidable. He was wearing a helmet. Didn't matter. And he died that day at the age of 33 years old. He was a man of God, a man who loved the Lord. But I will never forget that Sunday morning. This, I think July 4th that, that week was on a Wednesday. So that Sunday morning, just three days earlier, he had stood in our Sunday school class and said to all the teenagers, that time I was 17 years old, he said to us, he said, I know that if Jesus were to come back today, that I would be ready to meet him. Who knew that three days later he would be in the presence of Jesus? The bottom line is, is nobody knows the day or the time. You don't know when. So we have to be ready. David assures us and lets us know that date will come, but we have to be ready. Not only that, he gives an instruction and shows his son the strength that is needed for life. Back up to verse 2. The Bible says this at the end of verse 2. It says, and he said, so be strong and act like a man. Well, we can't read that one verse and stop right there because really it's a, the continuation is ultimately in also in verse 3. We might wonder what does that mean? What does it mean to act like a man or a woman? He is talking to his son, a man who has to lead the nation. So it is it's some, in some ways specific to him. But notice what he says next in verse 3. There is a continuation, at least in the NIV, the way the NIV translates this and puts this through. It says, so be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. You need to know today from this verse of Scripture that these, and in fact, these are similar words that were spoken to Joshua as Joshua was about ready to take leadership of the nation. The question is, we need to have strength, but how are we made strong? We can't depend on the flesh. He said, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, so be strong. Well, the bottom line is, is if you're about to go the way of all the earth, the way of all the earth is you get weaker and weaker as time goes on. You eventually will go to the grave. So what do we do? How do we live now? What are we supposed to do right now? It's interesting that he ties how to be a proper man or a woman of God with observing what the Lord has commanded. That's what comes in verse 3. Taking a look at that and understanding that what God desires of us is to be what he has called us to be and to observe what he has commanded in his word. So ultimately, don't depend on flesh, but instead depend 
on the everlasting Father. Let your strength come from another source. Family will not always be there, but you have to plug into the source of everlasting strength. Friends may not always be there, but you have to plug into the source of everlasting strength. People around you may not always be there and understand, but you have to plug in to the source, and that is your everlasting Father. And ultimately, he tells us and encourages us that we are to determine to be strong. Strength is certainly supplied, but you have to choose to avail yourself of that strength. The, the strength of the Lord is there. Be strong, Paul says, in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in his. So it's available to us. But sometimes we don't walk up to God and say I'll take some of that. We just try to find it in ourselves. And we don't find it. Because we are weak. But when we are weak. Spoke on this last Sunday. When we are weak. He is strong. So we have to trust in his strength. When are we to be strong? David's instructions are for both Solomon as a leader, but also as a man. God is looking for men and women who are the same at home as they are at church. David said to Solomon, show yourself a man. This is an admonition to him for him to be a man of integrity, both as a leader and in his personal life. The world is full of people who do one thing and say one thing and do another. We are full. We, we have it in our nation. It, it starts at the top down. It's, it's do as I say, not as I do. We have seen so much of that go on that people have become jaded. They have become somehow cynical. But I want to tell you today that there is a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God will never say, do as I say, not as I do. I want to tell you, he, he sent his son Jesus to this earth to show you and me how we are supposed to live. For those who have somehow dropped reading the word and getting into the word, you need to pick it back up again. Pick it, pick it up and get it into your heart. You really think you're going to make it on your own wits? You really think you're going to make it on somehow just, just sort of following along with the culture and the crowd? Trust me, culture has been wrong time and time again. It's time for us to get into this book and to realize that what God desires from each and every one of us is to live according to his word and to know that he will never lie to you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will always be with you. We get our eyes so much on people, we don't know what to do anymore. And our problem is, as people, as individuals, oftentimes is we're looking to somebody to fix us and to fix our problems. You know what? Ultimately, we can't. Nobody can. We, we, I spoke on this a couple of weeks ago. People who are looking at these great televangelists as, as being the, the sum total of their own faith. And when they fell into sin and when they stood in front of their congregations weeping, and in some cases, carted off in handcuffs, people fell away from the faith, left and right. Oh, my goodness. If that's what happened to them, what's going to happen to me? The problem is you're looking at the wrong person. we got to look at Jesus. We get our eyes off of him and onto people of the world. Trust me, you will be let down. You will absolutely be let down. So it's time to keep looking 
to him and being strong in him. Don't be strong in me. Don't be strong in, in, in so well, pastor is this, pastor is that. I, I'm a lot of things, but I'll tell you, I'll fail every time. And some of you have noted my failures from time to time. And I will tell you this, I apologize for my failures, but I will do my best to be better, but ultimately, don't put your eyes on me. You put your eyes on Jesus. You get your eyes on the Lord. You keep your eyes on him. He's the same God. I might be the, the different pastor than I was 10 years ago, but he is the same God. And I want to tell you that you follow him with all your heart. I can't tell you this enough. The amount of people who get so, so distracted by who they're looking at. And all the while the Bible says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. You know the, the, the word there that's used for fix our eyes on Jesus? It indicates that you don't look at anything else. He is your goal. He's what you're to look at. David finally points us not only that we need to be strong, but also to the source of our strength. Verse 3. The Bible says this. It says, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do wherever you go. You see, the source of our strength is the Lord. He says, observe what the Lord your God requires. There are two things in this little phrase that I want you to see. Observing requires faithful watchfulness. In other words, you don't take your eyes off him. I just said it. Fix our eyes on Jesus. You don't take your eyes off him. It requires faithful watchfulness. Whose requirements are these? They are the Lord's. If he said it, don't you think we ought to do it? There are people who are trying to make things up as they go along. Words are... Phrases and things are being redefined every day to fit with what people want. The one thing that you cannot redefine is what is said in this book. You can't change it. You can't, you can't undo it. There's no delete on this. There is absolutely nothing that you can do to change it or improve upon it. It is already perfect in every way. The Bible says that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. You can't, you can't accomplish with changing things in society so as to somehow make it better for you. And pretty much any time that that is happening in society, it's only happening because people want to do what they want to do. So let's just change the definition to fit with what we want. That's not how God operates, not in the least. These are his requirements, and therefore, if they are, that we need to follow him. They are his ways. Listen to what the Bible says, walk in obedience to him, and, or walk, in other words, walk in his ways. You're going to be tempted to walk in the way that pleases you. I think it's noteworthy that it comes from the pen of Solomon where we read the words over and over again in the book of Proverbs. We read this phrase. It's not there just one time. It's there multiple times. It says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. 
So therefore, we have to follow his ways, not our ways, not what we want, but what he desires. To walk in his ways indicates that there is a steadfast endurance, not just to start, but to also finish the race. You know he wants you to finish? He wants you to finish well. And here's the thing. We're also, the source of our strength is not just the Lord, his ways, but it's also his word. The source of your strength is his word. Listen to what it says. Keep his decrees, that is something that comes from his mouth, and commands, his laws and his regulations, as written in the law of Moses. This was his word. Our strength is going to come not only from the Lord, but also from his word. Listen, his word will do a few things for you. His word guides you through those dark nights. David said these words in Psalm 119, his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So in those dark nights, the word of God is going to get you through. His word gives counsel in confusion. When you don't know what to do, you've got to go to the word of God and don't go to the word of God playing Bible roulette. You know what that is, right? It's where you just kind of close your eyes, you open it, let your finger land, and you read. That can be a little difficult for you right there. Don't do that. No, no. Get into a consistent plan. Have a plan to read the Bible. Have a plan to read the Word, and it will give counsel in your moment of confusion. And in some days, you'll read it and you say, yeah, I might not need that. And then all of a sudden, 10 days later, you realize what I just read. Oh, my goodness. Thank God I needed that in my heart. Get His Word into your heart. David also said in Psalm 119, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. His word is protection. His word is power to keep you from giving into the flesh and giving into sin. But here's the thing about one of the final things about the word. There are a lot of things about the word that we could say, but his word is truth. A number of months ago, I think it was, I think I preached a message through YouTube that what is truth? Speaking from those words of Pilate, Pontius Pilate, who spoke that to Jesus on that particular day, what is truth? That is the big question that the world is asking. And this is one of those things where, you know, God bless her. God love her. I know the Lord loves her. Sad to say she came out of a, uh, a Bible-believing church but has since gone her own direction. Oprah loves to say, your truth, that's your truth. Folks, there isn't your truth, my truth, his truth, her truth, that truth. There is the truth. It's just this is the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth the way, and the life. You and I need to know that there is, the word is truth. Your word, the Bible says, is truth. You will find everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness right here. Your word is truth. You don't need to go searching somewhere else for some other truth. And certainly truth is not subjective. It isn't based on what you feel. It's based on what his word has said. His word is truth. 
So I want to encourage you today. In these final words of David, some of the final words that he gives to his son Solomon before David is going to go the way of all the earth, it is absolutely certain that we will join him at some point somewhere down the line. No, none of us want it to be done tomorrow. We, we know that. But we also know that the Bible also tells us in the book of James that your life is a vapor. Poof. Here one minute, gone the next. And for those who know you just seems like yesterday, you were young, full of life. And all of a sudden now, you're taking Advil every six hours just to fight off the aches and pains. A little bit of a leave here and there sprinkled in just for good measure, just to keep you rolling forward. Yeah, yeah, it, it happens that quickly, doesn't it? It moves that swiftly. So what do we need to do? We need to be prepared. We need to be strong in him. We need to follow his ways, follow his commands, and serve him with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind so we can be a man or a woman after God's own heart. I want us to stand to our feet right now and just ask the Lord to help us. As we face our week, as we go out into the world, as we go out to a job, as our kids go to school, we face a world right now that is so full of turmoil. Here in our country, nothing's been fixed. We all thought it would be, but it hasn't. But you know what? The bottom line is, is we have to stop looking at Washington and looking at Springfield and looking at the mayor's office as if somehow they're going to fix everything. They can't fix everything. They just can't because part of it comes from the human heart. And the only one who can fix that is Jesus. The only one who can do anything about the problems in life, the problems of people's hearts is Jesus because he can get to the depths of their soul. You're faced with difficulty this week. I want you to reach out to the Lord right now and just say, Lord, I need a touch from you and I need your help today. I need you to come down and I need you to strengthen my life today. Help me to rise above every circumstance and every problem. As we pray, just reach out to the Lord in this moment. And I believe that God is going to minister to you and strengthen you and help you. Heavenly Father, today I thank you, oh God, for your power. I thank you, Jesus, for your strength. And I pray, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide and direct your people. I pray, Lord, that we would look to you in all things, recognizing that what we have to do, we have to be ready to meet you. We have to be ready on a daily basis to know that no matter what could happen in our next breath, that we would have the hope of being with you, Jesus. I pray for anybody in this building who is yet to give their life to Jesus, or maybe they have wandered off Maybe they have gone their own way. God, today I pray that you would reorient them, that you would bring them back to that fold of safety. And Lord, bring them back into the kingdom of God as they reach out to you and ask, oh God, for forgiveness. And Lord, as they look to you in all things. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for those who are going through struggles and difficulties. I ask, oh God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in and through their life as they fix their eyes on you and as they're strengthened in you. May they know more and more of your grace and your peace in their life. Father, we thank you today. And there is nothing that is too hard for you. 
we will fix our eyes on you, Jesus. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And everybody said, Amen and amen. God bless you. Good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning.